0: Exist for Podcast is brought to you by the Cage Club Network. So, for all things media, check out cageclub.me. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to X's for Podcast, the show where we take a look at the adventures of Marvel's mutants week after week through their many monthly titles. I'm Nico, and you guys can find me on Twitter and Instagram at NicoAction. That's N-I-C-O-A-C-T-I-O-N. After a long wait, it is finally here. We have entered the Hellfire Gala. We couldn't be more excited, and to kick things off, we're going to start off with Marauders number 21, the first official issue of the event. Myself, Jonah, Kyle, Arturo, and newest contributor, John, take a look not just at the incredible value of what this issue does now, but the way it takes a look at the history of characters, re-examines it, and allows these characters to move forward in the bold new age of Krakoa. Hey, we're looking at you, Frenzy. This has been such an incredible tour de force, and knowing that Dugan is going to be taking the reins on X-Men, this is a great point to see where his story is going to go. We hope you guys enjoy as much as we enjoyed making it, and don't forget, if you enjoy what you hear, you'll probably enjoy what you see, so don't forget to subscribe over at YouTube to our regular daily content at... At the Daily X. And that's on YouTube at X's for Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome back to X's for Podcast. I'm Nico, and you guys can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Nico Action. That's N-I-C-O-A-C-T-I-O-N.
1: I'm Kyle. You can find me on Twitter, Twitch, and Instagram at Drantis82. It's D-R-A-N-T-I-S-8-2.
2: And I'm Arturo. You know you can find me at Mr. Toybox on Twitter and Instagram.
3: And I'm Jonah. You can follow me over on Twitter and Instagram at Peak Jonah. That's P-E-A-K. And we hope you survive this experience just like all the guests of the Hellfire Gala.
2: And hopefully like our guests that we have on the show today. Uh, today we have with us John, Lost in Krakoa. Hi hey guys. John, small, small anecdote for y'all. John and I uh, are ex-Twitter friends who actually met in real life, IRL um when he came down to miami and we went out to a comic shop and had a great time and hung out and now he's friend of the pod
4: got to be here
0: you're saying you had a a miami hellfire gala
2: i mean basically it was a tiny one but yeah it was a two-person very exclusive vip hellfire shenanigans
0: So, John, I have to know a little bit about your X background, right? Like, everybody's welcome to be here no matter how much X background they got. Whether, you know, you're like the 1960s or you came in yesterday. There's room for every X fan. So, favorite X title, favorite X character, favorite current. So,
4: my favorite X book would be Uncanny X-Force by Remender. And And my favorite character might be Magneto. Yeah. Round of applause. Round of applause. But, um... I stopped reading X books for a while until you know, like everyone with House of X and Powers of Ten. And after that, I just started to you know read everything. So I read everything Claremont, everything Simonson until the '90s. So I'm I have nothing against the '90s, but it's not my thing.
2: Nope, it's very bad. We're not gonna start trashing <laughs> the '90s, you guys. We're way too early into the show to start trashing the '90s. I will fight. I read Morrison.
4: You You're right. That's you. I read Morrison. Oh, I read He Who Shall Not Be Named. It's astonishing. Um, and. <laughs> I read Bendis. I I read Mm -hmm. almost everything except 90s stuff.
0: You know, and even then, there is, you know, for all the shit I like to give the 90s, and man, it turns out, if you go back... I give the 90s shit like every episode, <laughs> huh. but there is an enormous amount of excellent X out there. So if you like the things uh, that, you know, Wheezy was setting up and that Chris Claremont was running for a long time, those threads do appear maybe a little bit more few and far between. You got to look to like Ben Robb's Excalibur, but in Arturo's defense, there is a lot to love about X-Men in the 90s. So I, I should probably ease up a little on it. But of course, we are here today to talk about, I guess, something that's kind of sort of the 80s, if you really think about it, right? Marauders number 21 is one of the most fascinating explorations of character and of story that Marvel's given us in quite some time. Now, this issue, like the majority of Marauders issues, is written by Jerry Dugan with art by Matteo Loli. Now, there is a backup story in here, which is written by Chris Claremont with art by John Bolton from Classic X-Men 7. We've actually discussed this story uh, twice in the last month, and we've talked about this story four times in the two and a half year history of this show. So we're probably not going to talk too much about classic X-Men number seven's backup story, except to say, if you want to hear some exciting coverage of it, I do recommend checking out the segment between Nathan, our very own Arturo, and special guest Steve, where the three of them discussed what made that story sort of super special. Arturo, do you have any like highlight moment you want to pick up on from that backup story for our listeners?
2: It's a really important story because it takes us to basically. The inception of the Hellfire Club that we all, you know, know and love uh, with Sebastian and Emma, and, and this was like their moment of seizing power so it's it's a hell of a backup issue there's so much packed into it you know we we talked a little bit about the you know recurring nightmare of having a sentinel you know show up and rip the ceiling off of wherever you are and attack and that's that's a trope that i guess started back in that classic x-men uh, issue so it's definitely worth checking out
0: Now, I cannot stress that enough. If you do enjoy that story, you probably do want to check out a number of the other classic X-Men issues from around that time. There are more exciting Emma stories, as Jonah might be able to attest from when we originally covered those way back in the day. Jonah, was seeing this story come to its fruition and come to its due fulfilling in any way? Um, I I am inclined to
3: say yes because I really appreciate that they're trying to drive. Shino- uh, I almost called him Shinobi after his son. No, they're trying to drive Shaw's character in a different way, and I think kind of giving life to this character that he had a relationship with who died off in only a few panels and was never to be seen again never to be heard again never to be mentioned again and have a lot of shaw's characteristics and maybe even traits be around the death of lordis i'm like you know what i really appreciate that they want to give shaw this kind of character moment i really do appreciate that this is what they want to do for him and i think that it's you know it's really great to have Another character who was kinda lost to the pages and lost to the ages, be able to be seen and be heard and be given this new life for people who probably never read her. I imagine a lot of people probably never really knew about these classic X-Men backup issues and didn't even know that there was this character. There wasn't an already another teleporter who was is pretty strong in her own right in that she can teleport vast differences with multiple people, and you don't see Kurt doing that. But it also makes me think of well, what other classic X Men uh, backup issues should we talk about more? Should we talk about that camping trip where everybody just kind of picks on Jean, Gene and Jean's just like, "Can everyone just leave me alone for like three minutes?" And they're all like, "But we're a family," and she's like, "I guess you're right." Or that time
0: that they go oh, to a you mean that party. issue that's basically X Twitter. Everybody yes. just picks on Jean all the fucking time, even though we're supposed to be a fucking family. <laughs> or that
3: time in when they all went to a costume party and there was a guy who just wanted to murder someone. He was just as a clown. There was no other mutants, no special powers. He wasn't a supervillain. He was just Just a murderous clown.
0: clown. Yeah. 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 We're not going to go to those. No. But we're going to focus on the exciting things that do come out of this issue. Now, I have a specific question. I couldn't help but notice that this is probably the most non X characters I've seen in an X Men issue. In quite some time. As a matter of fact, this kind of feels more like a crossover, like in general, like a Marvel Universe crossover than anything. I wonder if that's sort of a reciprocity of the X Men appearing so fluidly in the pages of King in Black and sort of this reintegration of the mutant agenda into the larger picture of Marvel editorial publishing. Kyle, was it almost jarring at this point seeing the homogenization of the multiple offices into one title?
1: Or have you been ready for this? Was your body prepared? uh oh boy uh okay so so um i'm gonna say that it was jarring but at the same time i've been so so prepared for the mutants to be a part of the rest of the world in general since the start of house of x so yeah i mean there we've we've been what a year year and a half now where they've they've really kind of been on their own in their own little world on Krakoa and not really interacting with anybody ex- with the exception of of King in Black and yeah, seeing them actually working with all these character all these other characters, it's it's kinda nice to see.
0: Now John, you gave me a pretty good rundown of your X-Men experience are you super comfortable with the largeness of the Marvel Universe? Were these characters at home for you, or did you kind of have to dial into some MCU sort of knowledge to get? No, the I mean
4: I read a lot of uh, Hickman's previous work and many Avengers run and, th- and things like that, so I was comfortable seeing Doom, seeing the f Four, seeing the Avengers. So yeah, and it felt kind of great because Krakoa has been like on its own separate mini universe for the past two years. So I really liked seeing everyone come back and, and have Krakoa like. Reach join everything what it means for the world, not just for mutants. I
2: was slightly less comfortable with all the cameos and appearances of like unknown people and celebrities. I am not good at this game. So I was struggling with like the game of like identifying who the hell is, you know, the these these special stars or whatever uh is not anything that I am good at.
0: Well and I'm gonna be honest, I don't dig the meta of that there's something so dating and inherently inherently zeitgeist of putting in that sort of iconography. There's one thing when in like Excalibur twenty four, Lois and Clark appear in you know the background, and it's very clearly Lois, and it's very clearly Clark Kent, and you know who these people are. It, it's it's obvious, right? But that's sort of a timeless idea of a fictionalized entity. There's something so much more era-defining about these famous people right now, and I'm not necessarily saying that of the creators, because I'm a big fan of when creators find a little bit of room for themselves, but, yeah, I was certainly a lot happier seeing the BDE, the big doom energy, than I was necessarily looking for, you know, um, yeah, you know, if, if Megan Thee Stallion showed up, I would be like, fuck, that's all I want for the rest of the book, but you know, I'm not like counting down the seconds for Patton Oswald to stop by with an ice cream bar. Like, it's just not what I'm looking for.
2: See, I, so. I hated the, when I first heard of all these like celebrities and stuff, like my eyes rolled out of my head, but I gotta admit, I think it's cool the way it's being handled. I love that they're just literally like faces in the crowd, you know? Um, so I, I, yeah, I'll push back on that a little bit. I think, Yes, that can be a problem and it can date the work and, and, you know, put us like in a moment. Um, But I think the way that they're doing it here, it's a little more evergreen. It's like if you recognize somebody cool, otherwise it's literally just faces.
0: Well, Jonah, you grew up with your favorite channel being Vine. So talk to me about how you feel about this interpolation of fame culture into this sort of like metafiction this super self-aware reflective of the world experience that x-men has grown to be well if
3: krakoa ends up anything like vine that means that it'll surely die out after when all its top members decide we want to get paid but if you're not going to do it, we're moving to youtube or i guess earth regular earth not krakoa anymore And then Krakoa's be like, well, we can't survive without our top people, and then you just die. But then you come back as another ass. Hold on,
0: pause. Did you just say Krokoa's be like? Because that's my new favorite phrase and I'm getting a t-shirt that says Krokoa's be like a thousand percent. Sure. And then
3: but then (laughs) Krokoa will come back. And, but it's not quite the exactly the same. That's what TikTok is. It's like some of the same energy, but it's really weird. So but anyway. I mean,
0: in, yeah. So what's your opinion on the fame culture? It? I was getting there.
3: I had to do a very quick, brief history of what happened to Vine. You had to do a bit. I get it. Commit to the bit. There's a very, you know, the very old adage, fame is fleeting. What is famous today is probably not going to be famous tomorrow. And I don't mind the dating of when this comes out with who's in the media, who are people talking about, they've done something special, or they've done something related to whether it's Marvel-related work or just X-Men in general. I kind of wish that they use like, fictional celebrities. Like, we're in this expansive Marvel 616 Earth. Like, I I don't know. I I guess it's, I don't really, I don't really have a problem with it, but I feel like there could have been more interesting people or people that are constantly in the vernacular. I think there were people there that, even if I don't recognize them, doesn't mean that they don't have fame. But you're like, okay. You, you, It makes you wonder, how did you get an invite?
0: Yeah, I mean, I would not have minded seeing Henry Hellrung, who is the actor that played Iron Man in the Iron Man TV show, who ultimately became Tony Stark's sponsor, and would go on to lead the book The Order. So, like, he is literally a celebrity in the Marvel Universe with hundreds of appearances. He wouldn't be a Bad character to utilize for something like this. I mean, I see why Dazzler's not exactly on on the list, like, for like, oh, a celebrity, because she's a mutant. Like, you know, this is her thing. She doesn't need the special invite. She is the celebration. How did the rest of you feel about this idea of fame culture, celebrity culture? Were you like me, where you were necessarily put off, or did you get won over like Arturo?
4: I think uh, for me, the the dating of the book will be felt like when we reread the event next year or five years from now. And also, I didn't like how, like, Marauders is a very global book going everywhere, right? And it felt to me that all the celebs that were in the event were very just American. So it felt really to me that like for example they have a a soccer player when you have soccer players that are like the top accounts on instagram and social media and they were not there and we have like other very famous people like not even british celebs you know so it felt kind of weird to me that krakoa being so global we didn't have any global presence just american presence aside from like the ambassadors and representatives americans thinking that they're the center of the universe surely
2: (laughs) not never we wouldn't know.
0: I just edited our coverage of Terry Bloss's Reptil, and the best line in the entire first issue is they go to a, an open-air market, and Reptil says, wow, this is like Mexican Disneyland. And one of his Mexican cousins from the area goes, no, Disneyland is Mexican Disneyland. And it's, it's just one of those things where, like, <laughs> every now and then, white people kind of need to hear it. And it's a really important realization. I kind of, I'm so removed from a lot of the idea of these celebrities. I'd never even considered how exclusionary the list was because I didn't really connect with the idea of the list. So that's a really amazing perspective I hadn't had.
2: The list is weird. Let's just, you know, let's just call it out. The list is mm -hmm. weird. It's not. It's not like, let's just, you know, look at the past few red carpet events in real life and pull celebrities from that. It's like, it's just a weird list. It's not exactly people that you would, you know, necessarily, I don't know. It's it's a very strange collection of people.
0: I want to point out that I think something was really missing from this. And I'm like, only being a little funny. I'm seriously only being a little funny. One of the most successful events the TV has been able to produce in the last handful of years is the doggy bowl. uh, Puppy bowl. The puppy bowl that goes on during the Super Bowl where it's this sort of animal, funny, cute version of this big thing that generates a lot of excitement and a lot of media attention. I actually would have loved like a Hellfire Gala Animal Edition headed up by Jeff the Landshark and he could be in a fabulous little (laughs) suit that matches Emma's. And I just love Jeff Land Shark so much. I just reread Deadpool just for more Jeff. So like, Jeff's on my mind. But like Jeff and Dupe. Not that I'm saying Dupe isn't an animal, but let's not call Dupe a person. So you know. <laughs> i do think there's a lot of stuff.
2: we draw the line we draw the line at duping a person Absolutely, he's a not.
0: trans-dimensional vortex he is a transdimensional vortex who contains an infinite space inside of himself with an um he is biomechanical biochemical created in a lab but he is actually based on an existing creature which is why there's also a mother of dupe and it's 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 a really complicated mythos that i'm really glad pete milligan is coming to do
2: more (laughs) wait do you guys know who is a person her name is tempo and she was one of my favorite little little cameos in this issue was seeing tempo welcome uh steve rogers to krakoa with a flower i'm so excited to see more tempo. We, I know, we all know she's coming in the pages of Marauders, and it just it, I, I felt very well fed seeing her on pan on panel. Well, and there's right? a, there's a
0: certain there's a magic to that because she had been like like not to put it weird, but she had been like an elite level terrorist for a little bit there, right? Like she was like. Part of a really she was part of a group that was real good at being real bad. And for Steve Rogers to know who she is in this capacity and let her pin this let him, let her pin this flower on him in this beautiful way. It's the magnanimity of Steve Rogers personified in the idea of a creature who deserves the redemption of innocence. And it's that sort of specificity that Jerry Dugan is able to pull out with a single panel that is part of what's made Marauders such an exciting 21-issue ride. It really is the right emotional character beat for the right emotional character response. And that moment made, made all of my insides tingle almost as much as them finding a way for my beautiful Robbie Reyes to have a line of dialogue in an issue that he shouldn't even fucking been in. So.
1: <laughs> I, loved, I loved that little bit. That was, that was a nice little uh, line there from him and, and Thor's response that um, every bar is, is open when, when Thor's involved. <laughs> so I do want to ask a question. How many
0: people here enjoyed the X-Men Fantastic Four miniseries?
2: i loved it i remember twitter x twitter almost burned down during that run and uh there was a whole lot of discourse for better or worse but i gotta admit like i loved it it was a little simple i gotta say but i like so many of us hate and resent so much what dan slot has done with uh with Franklin and I love that Jerry took a moment and a beat to address that in a way and I I trust Kitty when she says everything works out in the end bub.
0: You know, I wish I hadn't paid $20 for it, but I just reread that when I reread Deadpool I'm I'm rereading a lot of this era to get excited for the Hellfire Gala's conclusion to understand what's coming next. I have found the word inferno has appeared 7 times by X-Men number 4. So like things have been burning for a while, right? But um, I I very specifically resent paying $20 for it. I'm not going to fucking lie. It should have been an end,
4: but I liked it. Uh, the redcon makes the event even worse because I, I wasn't like the biggest fan yes. of it, and then the redcon made it completely nonsensical. So yeah, it, it sucks even more now. You know, I, I didn't like it, well, but yeah, I yeah. Do, I did like that Dugan kind of like hinting, wink, wink, that Franklin's gonna be a mutant again in the future. That's great because you, we know Slot's gonna leave someday. So and then everything goes back to Dan
0: Slot leaving a book after offensive critical reaction. No way. <laughs> Now, so here's a question. I brought up this Fantastic Four X-Men miniseries because um, I have to be honest, Reed Richards giving angry daddy vibes to Xavier in his cute little helmet is the hottest thing I have ever seen Reed Richards do outside of convincing Sue Storm to sleep next to him. I am telling you that that was... The hottest Reed Richards I can conjure with my giant brain. So... Because I have a huge head. So I really loved that moment. And I did think the kitty moment with Franklin was cute. Now, Kyle, I remember you had a lot of feelings about Kitty being so well-utilized in terms of Franklin. And, you know, you had made comments at the time, it was important to see Kitty be the one who interacted with Franklin because she's one of the only X-Men we had seen as a child. So my question for you is, do you feel that this emotional reunion is enough to pay off how long it's been since we've seen any further on this idea of kitty mentoring the children
1: Mm, i'm gonna say no i i need a little more i like that she's kind of taken on this auntish mentor towards franklin but uh, just seeing the way that xavier uh Responds to Franklin, and it just kind of—I—I wish that she she could have done a little more to call him out on that. But I understand that it's in the middle; it's it's the beginning of the gala, and you really don't want to be making any kind of scenes.
0: Oh, I agree with you. Don't want to be making any kind of scenes. Speaking of scene, Arturo, I kind of, I I never like to tell anybody what to cosplay, because I don't think that's attractive, right? Telling someone else who to pretend to be is weird, but I kind of desperately need you to cosplay this Stephen Strange. Like, (laughs) you got the look for it, right? I did think that the Stephen Strange inclusion coming right around the announcement of the death of Doctor Strange in September is sort of... An interesting, bold choice. Knowing that Magic and Doctor Strange kind of are the two characters that I would connect, did anybody else feel that Doctor Strange just being at the gala just so uneventfully felt like either more has to come or that was a strange little one inclusion
2: oh there's more coming for sure there there is some interplay there like we've seen we've seen doctor strange um on kokoa uh once maybe yeah. he had that interaction with cable and uh or possibly with kid strife let's just put that out there and uh, <laughs> 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 gotta keep my fires burning um, I so yeah, there's definitely more coming. I think Ileana is a front runner for potential Sorcerer Supreme or, or Sorceress Supreme, the next one. Uh, so yeah, well, I think there's there's going to be a whole whole lot more to Stephen Strange.
0: Now, John, are you a are you a Doctor Strange guy? I, he's really polarizing. Is something I did not know as a big Doctor Strange guy. I didn't realize so many people thought he was really annoying. So, like, how do you feel about Doctor Strange, and how do you feel about magic in your mutants in general
4: i enjoy magic with mutants that's that's fun as we know from from excalibur back in the day with davis and claremont but i'm not really a big strange head I, I don't think i've ever read a dr strange run maybe um the one with dr doom that's it so yeah Interesting. but i would be very excited after the what if magic from back in the day that eliana plays a mantle yeah you know, that, that would be great if yeah. you know if stranger dies but we know there's a movie coming so take it with a grain of salt
0: Yeah, I don't think he's going to be dead for too long. I feel like, I also think, you know, if Doctor Strange even dies, anybody who's been following Doctor Strange, Damnation and the events surrounding Mephisto as he's trapped in the hotel from hell, right? I feel like we're likely to see Doctor Strange trapped in Mephisto's resort than we are to see him truly dead for too long, right? Especially with that movie yep. coming out. So, I'm I with want to out sure. a
4: dark horse candidate for, for Sorceress Supreme, but it's going to be, oh, like, well, very it. weird, but it'd be great if Amanda Sefton was the next Sorceress.
0: Oh, I've already begged Bob <laughs> no. Quinn to please put her in way of X somewhere. I begged. I, 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 we still DM, so I occasionally message him, do this. So, like, I get it. We keep Amanda
2: somewhere, Sefton was so Somewhere Nathan is listening to this episode and and squealing. He's very happy. Oh, my gosh, that.
0: guys. I'm so excited. I really hope Amanda Sefton comes back. <laughs> now, I do want to bring up something really lovely from the 90s that actually is a touch-tonable piece honestly that one page reunion between sean and emma was a lot more oh my god than I
2: thought it would be. yes that was
0: i didn't so think good. i would have a reaction i really thought that would just wash over me and i would message josh about it or something but like i actually felt kind of like oh my god i'm 15 again like i really felt taken back to the end of gen x and feeling like they never got their final say and it was it was just really great. I was really happy to see that moment.
2: Well, and that moment included. Uh, wait, what was it that Emma has sent him two invites? Yeah. So what are what are our bets on that? Uh, I think one is to one invite is to the gala, and the other one is either to the Marauders team or the Hellfire Trading Club. Yeah, that's, that's what I
1: believe it's to the Marauders team. Yeah, especially now that Storm has vacated her spot. They're
0: going to need somebody with a big cape that Dave Cockrum designed.
2: Mm-hmm. Love it.
1: Why else would you
0: have a cape? That's When X-Men have capes and don't fly, I'm like, what's the point? It's just going to get caught on things. Stop it, stop it, stop it. No, no capes.
2: capes. Well, you said that now, you uh, that you almost had to text Josh when when you read that. I nearly had to text Josh when the, when we got to the Rhapsody, the, the musical guest star Rhapsody. You guys, yeah, I got, I got a
5: message from him,
2: <laughs> bro, bro. I I hope that nobody spoiled it for him. It was a miracle that I was able to like read it read it digitally before anybody spoiled it. Uh, that made my day. You could go back into into the archives of of the show, and there was definitely an episode where we were talking about it, and we were talking specifically about Rhapsody like just a great 90s character that had a not even you can't even say a moment she i think she was literally in one issue
0: i think it's like one or two issues that's it yeah
2: issues never heard from again but she made a hell of an impression on me and
0: like lord of chantelle
2: yes 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 and just seeing her like I I don't need her on a team. I don't need her doing anything. I want to see that side of Krakoa where it's just mutants living their lives, using their gifts to like make art and music and love. And uh, this just this hit all the right buttons for me.
0: I want them to be an occupational therapy team. Yes. I want them to teach injured people to use their hands again. I want the idea of Krakoan medicine to go a step further. Because as a musician, as a musician who like Jonah will tell you, like Jonah has said, hey, teach me some piano. And I've been like, sure, kiddo, let me teach you some piano. And like as a musician who can best express my feelings through, through song, like I actually sometimes struggle to express myself. But if I can get to a piano or a guitar – If I can put my fingers down, I can say it. And like, I can create something that says how I feel. The idea that the people I want to share that with, that I can't, like, it actually choked me up. Like, that is my dream, to be able to help everybody understand why I play piano, why I sing, why I play violin, why I play guitar. Like, I I want people to feel that. And that Jerry Dugan was able to give everyone the feeling of sitting third chair, of being in the drum line of singing tenor in the chorus like there was something palpably honest about a desire to exchange art that i felt from a creator who wanted others to feel the same and it it was really moving
2: it was also a hell of a flex too because yes we're using our bountiful mutant gifts to like have you experience you know creating a a, you know whatever a symphony uh but you know the implication there is also we all we took over all your minds you know It's a hell of a flex.
0: And I thought Ben Grimm being so kind about it. Like, I love me some Fantastic Four, but, like, I've never been the biggest Ben Grimm fan. I talked about it extensively on my show with my husband, Kevo. HTML, Husbands Talking More or Less, where we covered every live-action iteration of the Fantastic Four ever. And in it, I said that basically, while he's always the best good guy, I I think the only member of the Fantastic Four I care for less out of, like, the eight of them is Johnny. Ben just doesn't do it for me. He's too, heh I'm gruff. Like, it's just not my cuppa. But the idea that he said, I wish Aunt Petunia could hear me in in tandem with... Because, like, we've literally this year... Well, not this year, but two years ago, we saw Ben be like, get the fuck out of my head. Like, there was just something... Jerry Dugan, every time I get to cover a Jerry Dugan book, and I don't put myself on Marauders much because this is all I do, he gets these character moments that open my heart. And like him being like, nobody plays craps without me, that was such a great moment. That was a Logan moment. That was a Ben Grimm moment. I just thought it was the best of why you go drinking with Captain America. He just gets me, and and these emotional little micro moments, or like Emma and Christian, or you know, who, did anybody else have any other like really, oh my god, my heart moments?
4: I like seeing the aim guy again, and how. He yes, yes.
5: <laughs> yes. <laughs>
2: I love that we're not even bothering giving the him guy. a name. I love that he's not like the the prime, you know, main aim guy. He's just an aim henchman that has tangled with the. I love that. Amy. Not Amy.
3: That's his name, Amy.
2: <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> no, you don't. Know, you love me. I really You're
3: like, Jonah, that that's a really,
0: really clever a guy, If it's a guy, does that make him Amy Man? I'll see myself out until Tuesday.
2: Leave. <laughs> Or as, as Doom said, sentimental rube.
0: Must have oh, my God. That. All of the Doom this issue.
2: Doom? Okay, wait. The best comedy moment of this entire issue, I got to give it to uh, Doom and the Shi'ar and Emma. Emma's face. Oh, my God. That, I laughed out loud. Like, that was just so great. The So Doom is talking about, like, uh, you know, what what the mutants have done here. And Emma says, you know, it's not like we're – Conquering the <laughs> earth, and then next panel the Shi'ar comes to to express their their uh their congratulations for conquering your home planet. On, on
4: that page, <laughs> I thought there was a nice little callback to I think House of X number one when Doom says, uh, "You say, man, as though I am not I am less, not more," which is very similar to what Scott said to Reed back in House of X. I, I kind of like seeing that, just like Doom being ultra serious, and his next panel is laughing. I thought it was pretty nice to see that like two facets of doom
0: and i feel like we also kind of got that in how reed reacted differently to xavier this time as well i meant to touch on that you know the line between reed and doom is so so slim it's sort of like the line between charles and eric but once you get eric and victor in the same place how much crueler doom is Really pops out. And the idea that we're comparing Scott's behavior to Doom's behavior. I do want to just give a quick shout out back to our fourth episode of this show. So, way, 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 way back in 2018, where Kyle and I did the Marvel Villains team up for the Champions, oh, where yes. Magneto and Doom fought, and Magneto is just like, I mean like I've never seen Magneto be like, will you piss on me daddy before but like how hard Magneto got owned by Doom is tragically funny.
1: Yeah, that that yeah, that that issue was uh it was tragic. <laughs> it was a choice. Uh, second
3: opinion for a very funny moment is when the uh psychic butterflies were being sent about and Victor Von Doom smacks his butterfly away. And says, <laughs> ah!
2: Doom is because great.
3: he is uh you know just metal uh metal scrooge
0: <laughs> oh really he's metal scrooge <laughs> bah humbug he's scrooge mcdoom i really get that i really now desperately need uh a christmas carol fantastic a fantastic christmas carol oh my god i need it so bad <laughs> oh oh can, i hate can, everything i love can, i love
2: I that you named it right in the midst of that i could I, I could hear the epiphany Oh, it's a fantastic Christmas girl.
3: Yep. A fantastic Christmas carol. Can I pose a question for what I thought was a very interesting moment? Hit us.
0: Always. It's a round table.
3: So I make it no secret. Uh, Nico Nico has started me on new Grant Morrison's new X-Men. So obviously a lot of those characters introduced there hold a very special place in my heart. I'm still waiting for Dummy to be revived. I will never stop it. Dummy. That's my new, that is my new um, pots and pans of putting Elsa and everything. Make <laughs> Dummy, revive Dummy. He doesn't do anything. He lives Literally cannot do anything. Revive Dummy. He deserves it. Dummy. That's his actual name. I it's... thought
2: Dummy was a girl.
3: No. Or so, it was okay.
2: just a pink suit. Is that? Is that yeah. my heteronormativity just uh, creeping in. I totally thought Dummy was a girl.
0: uh, One of the big things about um, New X-Men is there's a lot of color contrast. Glob is also pink, and um, Cassandra Nova is usually draped in shadow because she is darkness, even though she is shown exclusively in shades of white and beige. So, like, there's a lot of color story to New X-Men that functions on multiple levels, which is why Grant Morrison was so, so obsessed with having the art beast consistent to the arc as he could. There's just that run of, uh, I think, New Worlds, where it's a bunch of different people. Um, yes, uh, even just a, another small counterpoint to that Bastilesque
3: a character who is very larger and imposing to that special class, was drawn in very uh, soft um, pastel colors. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, but among those characters that were introduced were my Stepford Cuckoos, who I love and enjoy, and hate their names—government names, government names non cocoan names.
0: But I don't like the
3: spice of it. No, let her be Mindy. Let her be Mindy. <laughs> Spimps. Anyway, Spimps. I want to know what everybody thinks the moment with
2: Willa Mina Ooh, means. Yes. Because... Okay. Let's get into it.
3: My thought process is, is Willow Mina the sixth Stepford Cuckoo? Yes! Because if you look at the really? panel of Willow Mina on that page, and then you look at all of the Cuckoos, it's kind of the same. They look exactly the same. Not to say that every white girl with blonde hair and blue eyes
0: looks the same, but, like, these six white girls with blonde hair and blue eyes look the same. Yes, I'm going to go on record as saying anything that brings my, my precious hellfire babies, anything that gets my, my, my wonderful Cade that I love more than is socially acceptable onto the page to harass my precious Quentin. Anything that makes that situation worse for Quentin is my number one. So I would really like it. If she, one of Quentin's sworn enemies is the lost sister of Quentin's girlfriend. I would love that.
2: I would just, (laughs) I I would love it, it. Like, like if it revisits kind of that, uh, the weapon X, what, what was the war songs weapon, weapon? Oh, 14, they're weapon 13, 14, I think.
0: 13 because uh, 15 is the world, so they're, they're either 14. 13 or 14.
2: Uh, they're Four. 14. It, cause um, it's XIV, I remember. IV, yeah, it's definitely 14, I promise. Yes, I believe you. Yeah, I think I think that's that's I think you nailed it, Jonah. I think that is this a six cuckoo.
0: Because what else what else
3: could she possibly have? What is possible that she could have forgotten that everybody else in Hamas Verandi knows and doesn't care about? That's so important to the specifically the cuckoos. I I can't really think of anything else theory wise that she wouldn't just be a missing cuckoo like it honestly
0: doesn't it wouldn't surprise me if there was another one i i can't think of a good reason why if emma frost had all of her eggs harvested straight up the boot out her ute i don't see why there can't be a sixth cuckoo I would love it if there were a bunch more cuckoos, because you know what, and I don't mean this like weird, but having just reread Hox Pox, one of the things that stood out to me, number one, was how much they talk about going into space, going into space, let's move the mutants into space. If the announcement isn't that the mutants are moving to Mars, where the sinister breeding pits are, that go horribly wrong and lead to the downfall of mutancy, I don't know why we're going anywhere. But One of the other things is they say that they have not done a whole lot of experimentation with putting brains in other bodies or having two of the same up at once. But the cuckoos, they're a hive mind in a lot of ways. Even though they have unique identity, you probably could just keep adding cuckoos, and it would be at least interesting to Beast... <laughs> and even to
3: that end, it could be a Laura Gabby situation where there are technically just clones of Emma, but you can have some of them be older, some of them be younger. They're still essentially the same character, even if they have different characteristics to define them and make them at least unique enough to distinguish between readers. But, like, I'm, if that's what it is, I am very excited by the idea of. Emma having basically like being the White Queen, having a reign of princes and princesses in a way that's similar to how Logan has a bunch of princes and princesses,
4: and princesses. I think it's also important with the Step for Cuckoos that Emma and Steve are hanging out because of that famous theory that Steve is like their father. So that's another little twist. What? You, you're what? Not what?
0: Well, because they're, yeah, because they're all, so um, Cap is weapon one. Mm -hmm. And the cuckoos are weapon 14. And Emma Frost was stolen by the Weapons Plus program while she was in her coma. During um, from um, Uncanny 282 to Uncanny... What the fuck is it? Like, What what is Early Frost? Like, 311, 312, right? So she's in that 30-issue coma. They stole her eggs, mm-hmm. and they produced the cuckoos at a Weapons Plus facility. And the people whose DNA they have on file are like Wade Wilson, Victor Creed. There's so many victors. Um mm-hmm. Logan, uh, Steve, Isaiah. So the theory is... Where did all of these blonde, blue-eyed people come from?
2: I love that. And and, and I just want to say, like, I sometimes wake up at night in a cold sweat worrying about uh, the, the the future timeline where Emma, Frost, and Tony Stark hook up. I hate that. I never want to go to their wedding. So this issue, the little flirtation between Emma and Steve, oh honestly, God. like, I don't hate that. I, I still ship Emma with Scott. I'm down for Emma to have a bunch of like, you know, boy toys, a little namer here and there, a little, you know, whatever. But hey, Steve Rogers, uh, I think that could be kind of hot. Certainly, and Steve is certainly better than Iron Man. Goddamn it. it! If she mm-hmm. ever hooks up with Tony Stark, like I, that would just ruin everything. So I, I kind of love this.
1: Too bad too bad he uh, uh Steve thinks about her like his mom.
2: Oh king
4: chain.
1: Yeah, I don't think that's gonna work for her.
3: <laughs> Listen, I don't know if you've been on the internet recently, Kyle, because this newfound thing called the internet. I don't know if everybody has access to it. Wait, what? But people that very into uh this Resident Evil character who oh, they yes. call like Dommy Mommy Vampire. <laughs> so like uh Mommies might be having their moment in the sun right now.
1: Yeah, I... but it's not Emma's mm. thing. Hey, uh, maybe it uh, wasn't uh,
0: Emma's thing till now. Oh, that's a good point. Give
5: her so, a couple <laughs> drinks.
0: Now, I, she, I, she, she doesn't drink, she just likes to have fun. I, I have a global question. What was your favorite look in this issue, right? Because we know a number of people have a number of looks, and we know that a number of characters aren't even in like their formal look yet. For me, I thought that Emma's opening page looks in this issue really set the stage For an over-the-top sort of fantasy, one of the things that I think made this issue so special to me was that I kept, even though I know better, even though I've read what's coming and, you know, I knew what they were doing, I still went into this issue thinking, like, oh, great, there's going to be a big fight and we're going to get stuck in this big fight for nine fucking issues. It's going to be X of Swords again. And, no, this was actually really clever character building. Again, I was really impressed by the subtlety of the Christian thing because the Marauders have a spaceship that Christian knows how to drive. So by putting Christian with the Shi'ar, she's literally taking advantage of the fact that her brother has stepped up his game so much that he knows how to work with spaceships. So, like everything about this was so spectacular but I think that first page yeah Kate looks cool but Kate doesn't look like she's in something Callisto wouldn't wear on a Tuesday you know what I mean and Sebastian I just can't even fucking stand him but like Emma Frost in this fucking cloud number one she looks like a fucking (laughs) Pokemon up here right now is that an Altera Jojo is that an Altera that she looks like Altaria Altaria yeah she looks like an Altaria okay and it just made me go somewhere else. It took me to this new place that I didn't know my X Men could go, and I really loved it. What did you guys think about Matteo Lolli's interpretation of these fantastical outfits, initially designed by Russell Dowderman, as well as the rest of the cast of the X Men? I want to talk about
4: Emma's final look in like the penultimate page because it's yeah. very do it go for it a lot more revealing than I thought it would be. So it's kind of funny, but yeah. That's, that but it's also varying character for her. You can look, but you can never touch, you know? Exactly. So I thought that's kind of my favorite look, look right in the sense her. of how it relates to Emma's character. Because all the best looks were not here. Well, maybe Jean's look, but yeah. Yeah, I love
2: that Emma's look ha- is like a, a progressive reveal. You know, she starts off with the coat, then she... Uh, for me, it's her second look. Like, uh, it's seeing her walk around with this long train, and I love the, the her, her fascinator. Like, she looks so damn cool. And then, yeah, I, I agree. Then her, her final look is definitely, like, the most, you know, weaponized sexuality uh, of Emma Frost look. Looks perfect
1: for me it's kind of split i love emma's second look um, oh yeah so good yeah. oh my god it's so so good <laughs> she's like a slutty southern lady
2: <laughs> but it's definitely her party you know like every oh, yeah. panel that she's in she just looks like yeah she's just the boss she's yeah so good. and
1: it's and it's like each of her her outfits is a progression of the previous one. Mm-hmm. So you've you had the the giant cloak that she was wearing before that she now drags, and her her shoes are covered. She had those the crystalline shoes originally, and then those got covered up by the whatever those things are. Uh, and then she turns into her full diamond form so yeah i i really enjoy that um but on a more kind of symbolic look i like shinobi's that dissolving from white to black look Mm -hmm. it's very plain but at the same time it kind of makes it feel like he's in between two um loyalties
0: And I think it speaks to the heart of his, um, like, the the aspirant he is, right? Because he doesn't want to be the Black King. He's made it clear he wants to own the Hellfire Club. Mm -hmm. He's not concerned with one seat. So I really love that read on, you know, the Chiascuro of his design being sort of imminent to his character. I think that's a really great way to read that. Jonah, did any of the looks just come up and bite you on the face? Well, I mean, when
3: Emma Frost has been serving you charisma, uniqueness, nerve, and talent since day one 1979,
0: um, going strong.
3: Where's the body? We found the body. Um, obviously, Emma's looks. I want to give a special notion. I don't know. I really, I like the concept, so I was really interested to see how it would come out. And I really, I really kind of love magic's look, and that's not because I love my uh, dark magical girl and that I stand everything that Ileana does. But more so, I think it's a really great interpretation of a very avant-garde demon look that she would come up with and use her kind of her magic to have her horns be in place. So it's something I, I was really appreciative of and I'm, I'm really excited to get to see more of it in different situations and one more that i was like i was on the fence about it i didn't know if i really liked i'm kind of now digging scots i don't know what it is about it but like something about it to me just says this is high art this is camp this is fashion
0: I think things move differently than they stand. That's something that, you know, the opposite can also be true. Seeing something in motion can transform it. I think when we see on occasion uh, sort of like a flat rendering of a visual iconography, right? Like a sort of, this is the outfit. It just, it sits on the page as a design. But when you see it interpolated into uh, sort of the grander scale of its functional use, It transforms the idea of it from lines and angles to a functional costume, and I think that is something that is occasionally lacking from these sort of press drops, where they're like, look at the costumes! It's not the same thing as, look at the character wearing the costume, and that's something that's transformative.
2: I would like to talk about a character wearing a costume, and that character... Go. who, do you who think is it is?
0: i'm really upset about that one goddamn canadian panel and i have to talk about it for 45 minutes so like <laughs> if it's not the canadian panel i'm fine with it but like no. i am i have huge problems with heather and mac breaking up i have huge problems with divorcing heather and mac in a panel like that huge problems
2: anyway well i'm sorry for that um no no that's not at all who i'm talking about i'm talking about the red bishop bishop oh, so looks so goddamn hot. Matteo so hot. Loli deserves an award for drawing, like, the best textured black hair, I think, uh, ever. Like, Bishop's fade. Bis- Ugh, Bishop looks so damn hot. I can't take my eyes off Bishop when he's on panel. That's where I'm at.
0: And I feel like those glasses oftentimes get relegated to like, oh, those are Scott's glasses. No, even though it's still that same sort of ruby quartz looking motherfucker, these, this is so clearly Bishop. Not just obviously, but like there is something that this look, an open jacket, this is his look now. And it's just fan how much personality comes across. John, have you been a fan of Bishop, or you newer to Bishop, I know you said you skipped the 90s, but I wasn't sure if you would perhaps pick back up in time for Bishop's turn in the Claremont Revolution, or his Extreme X-Men and so Uncanny X-Men.
4: I've been introduced to Bishop, two t- well, three times. First in Age of Apocalypse, right like right before, because I, I have read Age of Apocalypse. My second like, big intro to him was Second Coming, and Messiah War, and all that, mm. and Messiah Ooh. Complex. Oh, I'm so, so sorry. Yeah, for me, Bishops, until this time, has always been a villain. So Wow, that's because fascinating, bro. That's I, fascinating. Well, and some of Age of X-Men, where he was with Jean. But yeah, for me, Bishops, until this time, was, was always like sort of a villain for me.
0: Meanwhile, I have to feel like, you know, knowing sort of your, not spotty, but Marvel Unlimited Enhanced Reading
1: Experience, Kyle, I
0: have to feel like you barely know Bishop as a villain,
1: if at all. Yeah, not at all. I really have only... had bishop in let's see marauders <laughs> marauders yeah yeah i don't think i've hit anything else where he's been a major player
5: oh,
2: well everybody who needs, summer child
1: <laughs> yeah everyone else who needs some bishop if i may
0: uh it's a little bit hard to get your hands on the hardcover of bishop's crossing which is the initial uh issues he's in it's not great characterization but it's certainly the focal point of his backstory if you're looking for strong bishop i would take a look at any time claremont writes him there is something very bold and noble about claremont's interpretation of bishop i still do not like iceman's luck
2: oh that's controversial yeah i mean it's
3: controversial yet brave
2: controversial yet brave I, I get that it's not everybody's uh cup of tea but i just i like seeing some of the boys you know playing with gender and clothes and just like having fun with it like christian's look also not exactly you know a suit and tie i'm into it i'm into a boy and
3: absolutely i love that i just i I don't know if i'm a fan of the design but something that i really do appreciate about the entirety of what it seems like the hellfire gala is doing is that we're going to get like beats and uh, beats bits and pieces a little bit at a time of what's exactly going on because at the end of this issue it's after midnight and everybody's leaving and going home but it's like no tons of shit has gone down already and we have to see how everything's playing out
4: for me the, the defining line was at the end when emma was speaking with the brazilian ambassador and, and the ambassador mm-hmm. says yes we'll governize humanity in a way it never was to confront the threat posed by mutant kind so whatever is revealed in in the next few issues especially planet size it's going to be really really huge mm-hmm.
0: Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Nico here one more time. Now, in this next segment, Rod, Raven, Evelyn, and recent contributor Broadway take a look at X-Force and just how dynamically Ben Percy continues forward the events of the Hellfire Gala. This issue has a lot of fascinating elements about power play and the dynamic position of the X-Men in the Marvel Universe proper. It's really exciting to see where this book is going and where it's been. We hope you guys enjoy as much as we've enjoyed making it. Just like every segment, we do twice a week for you every week here on X's for podcast.
6: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the next segment of X's for podcast. I am Rod. You can find me at Rod comma the on Twitter and Instagram. And today we
7: have with us the excellent Evelyn.
8: Hi, I'm Evelyn, the Comet Canary.
7: And I'm Raven, a.k.a. Dame Red Bento. Uh, We also have with us a guest, Broadway. How are you doing?
9: I'm good. Hi, everyone. I'm Broadway. You can find me on Twitter at B-Way3rd. That's bway 3rd
6: Nice. Today we are talking about X-Force issue 20 <laughs> the writer is benjamin percy the artist is joshua kasara the color artist is guru efx and the letter is vc's joe caramagna and the design is tom miller and this is part of the hellfire gala so the whole event segment and this is i guess yes. part two because this is right after the Marauders one, right? This is taking yeah, or,
7: or 1.5, 1.5. want point. Yeah, however you want to look at it,
6: <laughs> it's all kind of connect. Oh, well, it's all obviously connected and wishy washy yeah. and back and forth,
7: timey wimey.
6: So, <laughs>
7: yeah, I think that's why there's a ta- time stamp so many times throughout right, the different right, exactly. issues. Mm-hmm. So if you had to like go back, or if they ever do like um like an omnibus of it, there they might put it in order.
6: Ooh. If not, that's a, fan a good will. point. Yeah, right. If not, a fan will. But that would be really interesting. I don't think a comic book has done that before, where they've kind of just like rearrange the issues in order of like a timestamp.
7: oh that'd be awesome Mm -hmm. I would love to see that that way that way you would really get um, the pace of you know how fast everything is happening or how slowly everything is happening because sometimes it's a little hard when you're jumping between uh, books and issues and whatnot to go oh yeah that's right this happened at like you know 7.30 p.m. and this happened at 7.45 and da 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 you're just going wait I thought but didn't I have this left no wait no yeah no (laughs) (laughs) so you know it would be kind of cool to have this uh, put in order for us, I guess, later on. That'd be really interesting.
5: Mm-hmm.
9: Maybe do, like, the, um, maybe do you know, X of Swords has, like, chapters, right? They could do, like, mm-hmm. each chapter is, like, an hour or, like, 30-minute <sighs> segments.
6: Oh, yeah.
5: Combine, like, all of
9: that. hmm I, I
6: think, think that'd, that'd be great. I feel like that'd be really smart on their part, and, it'd probably sell a bit more because people would be interested mm-hmm. to see this new style of mm-hmm. like written. And then you just put all like who wrote it and everything just in the beginning, like a big list on one page. Mm-hmm. That way you like, and like list what pages they're on. I mean, it'd be a lot mm-hmm. of work for like the person editing the book. <laughs> right.
8: But it would be <laughs> but worth it. It would be worth yeah. it.
6: Hopefully they get paid well by doing that. Yes. You know, mm-hmm. knock on wood for them. <laughs> <laughs> but so this is the start of the Hellfire Gala. Yay, yay. We've been waiting forever for this. We got all the looks down. We got the free book that everyone got of their looks. That was super Mm fun. I want to say, Evelyn, since you've been reading, like, doing the, a lot of the X-Force coverages for the podcast so far, what did you think of the continuation of the Hellfire Gala off of Marauders with this issue of X-Force?
8: So, I thought that this really gave us a sense of what this um, compilation was going to look like, because we know it's going through multiple um, series and stories and issues. And so, I'm actually really excited for it, like, Popping around with those timestamps, but as an X Force Titled this itself, I was really excited because something we've been saying on the X Force uh, talks is we need more Domino, and we are Domino mm. here, and that alone is great. And as much as I love Quentin, like him taking a back seat, and even with his like hilarious uh, dispute with Iron Man, like it have <laughs> him kind of take a quick seat back um, and let some other people shine right now because he's had some amazing character development. Bur- versus domino she's literally been in the background so seeing her here was really great and even though i cannot stand beast it's nice kind of getting a little bit more about what he's up to i want to figure out what he's up to so i can bitch about it more
7: (laughs) i mean you're not wrong you're not wrong
6: yeah that's one of the things i'm really because we know the um, after the Hellfire Gala is going to be the Trial of Magneto, like that's the next like kind of mm-hmm. big segment they're doing. It's only going to be like five issues, but it's like a big thing. Because mm-hmm. it's But I'm like, see, after reading this issue, I'm like, how are we not having a trial of Beast?
7: <laughs> all right? Unless it's... Like, I, um, I, I, I feel like Beast needs the sun. Right, go ahead. All, all I can think is Beast is like... Um, and he's he's getting help to do this. That's the whole thing, is there are right. people who are helping him do this. So whoever's helping him also kind of needs to be on trial at that point, because yeah. it's not like he did this on his own.
6: Yeah. I, f- I feel like Emma, like, i feel like uh benjamin or the x team in general kind of knew people were gonna say that like what raven just said Mm -hmm. and that's why we have that moment with sage and emma and emma Mm -hmm. being like hey i know like you're helping him do this and you probably didn't mean for this to happen because she also knows how beast is i -hmm. mean she was also you know in the era of grant morrison when beast was like faking being gay like she knows beast can be like (laughs) Say all, say all kinds of shit just to, you know, get what he wants. So.
7: Mm-hmm. But I mean, his, his kind of dark scientist slash god complex really showed through. Oh, yeah. And, and I mean, I, I haven't, like, I sort of liked Beast back in the beginning. But like, the more you read of him and like, really get into his character, the more twisted and dark he really comes across. And yeah, just like when I read this, I was like, ooh, something. This is bad. This is really bad. Like his God complex is really needs to either get put in check or, or, or he's going to go to the dark side, like hard
9: he also is lying to the team and like Jean has noted that beforehand Mm -hmm. right she was like we need to not have secrets between each other but even in this one like you know Sage says oh I thought we were just bugging the people around Terra Verde and he was like yeah Mm -hmm. but don't worry about it and it's like well like I don't know I just obviously you know they signed up to do X-Wars but I also feel bad for these people being roped into stuff and saying okay this is the plan oh I guess not I guess Beast has decided that's not the plan. And now I'm an accomplice to like spying on people and like mm, like genocide. Like what? Mm-hmm. Like, that, that's some like really sick stuff.
7: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely.
6: And like this is intimidating. Like he's one of the. He's one of the core X-Men, the OG mm-hmm. like the OG mm-hmm. 5, and he's super intelligent and condescending. So if you even like even Sage was like speaking, he's like, "Don't worry about it. Like we're fine. Like just do your job."
5: Mm-hmm. Like right. you don't you
6: don't need to go out and party. You need to do your job. And like Domino, he even told her like, "You know your place." Like Ooh. And I was like, "Oh no, sir." <laughs>
7: <laughs> like, right? I'm amazed she didn't like drop something on his head out of the sheer bad luck of it. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs>
9: I mean, he literally called her a field agent, which is like, yes. it's like, that's her job, but it's the way in which he said it where it's like, mm-hmm. oh, you're communicating a lot. There's a lot of subtext there. That That's like mm. A plus shade. You're Don't mm. forget, you're a field agent. It's like, what? Oh, yeah, she's important, though. That isn't like, ugh, he's so icky. Ew, 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 I hate Beast. I'm sorry. Yeah. I just, he's yeah. the worst. Yeah, oh, he's,
7: yeah. Oh. Yeah. He's, he's quickly becoming my least favorite on so many different Levels just and credit to
9: Percy for doing that so well. Like I really like. Oh yeah, like he he sucks in all the right ways.
7: Right, Mm. right. You're like I'm. I'm trying to look for the good in him, but honestly, like the more he talks. The more I understand why Colossus wanted to cave his head in, yeah, right, mm-hmm. and 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 why his why his girlfriend like literally put him on the ground, like holy crap, dude, what? Oh.
8: Like something? No, yeah. So something we've been talking about in like a lot of the X Force discussions is we're pretty sure this is leading to a Dark Beast moment. What do you guys, mm-hmm. after like reading um, this whole thing, do you think that might be there?
6: Oh yeah, I mean, I've been I've been saying that since like almost the first issue of X Force. I was like, oh, so we're gonna lead into Dark Beast, and I love I personally love that. I mean, Beast has never been my favorite, but I do love it when he's crazy evil, and because it's just so interesting to read. Like, I hate that he's doing it to the characters that I like, and it's mm-hmm. like, it, and I, it's uh, so icky, and I don't want it to happen, but it's fun. <laughs> like, I like right, it. Right, like. Right. When we, like in Uncanny X-Men, right before this Hawksbox era with Mar- Matthew Rosenberg, we got the, the Age of Apocalypse Dark Beast before, you know, Magic killed mm-hmm. him. And I was like, I love Dark Beast. He's so fun. <laughs> so icky. It's like so mm-hmm. snarky. I just, you don't want to like him to succeed, but you want to keep seeing him on the pages because he's so fun to watch the other characters interact with them.
7: Yeah, and you keep wondering how much worse can this get? Right, right. And you're like, oh, God, no, no. Oh, God, how much worse can this get? And, like, you just, you know he's going dark beast Mm -hmm. and it's like it's like you want to stop him but at the same point in time you want to see where it goes with it and how how dark does it get does he become a villain does he become like a big bad that has to be stopped does he get stuck in the hole you know like what what happens what goes on
9: and also one of the issues for beast is that right so he's like going dark and you were seeing like i mean again the terra verde thing is like a thing that started so early and it keeps coming back right his like problem keeps coming Back, right? But Mm -hmm. one of the things is that, like, he, as the head of security, he can do all this stuff in part because he has all the tea, right? So it's like, Mm -hmm. how do you deal with somebody who is integral and has all the information and knows where all the bodies are buried, even the ones that he's creating, and like, no one can really stop him? And I feel like Tara Mm -hmm. Verde, this like Tara Verde situation is the exact example of that. Like, I'm sure that Sage would have loved to have been like, no, let's not do this. But it's like, I'm sure he has like, well, if you don't do this, then like I don't know like X will happen to your mom or something like that like he's like I don't know he's like a master spy that's terrifying like that's what yeah. makes him such a great like villain character because you can't mm-hmm. like you can't just throw him in the pit I mean I guess you could just throw him in the pit but like you know he might set off like a bomb by X like in response you know what I mean he's definitely got like I don't know like trap cards laid everywhere
7: <laughs> yeah well I mean I mean you know say he has some sort of blackmailing information on somebody and uh, you know it has to be set every day at like 8 AM. Well, you know, you put them in the hole, and eight a.m. comes around. Suddenly, everybody suddenly knows your old business, and then some. Right. You know, whether it's everybody on Krakow or everybody in the world. I mean, you could seriously fubar an entire nation that way. So, yeah, yeah it's 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 kind of scary.
6: Yeah, that's um, that's a really good point. I was gonna, I'm gonna bring up another point after that, but I didn't even think about that. Thank y'all for bringing that up because mm-hmm. I was thinking more along the lines. Of, of you know he especially in this issue he's so in good terms with xavier like because xavier is like the like the boss not the boss but like the head of Krakoa. you know for 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 better or for worse obviously worse but worse. like he's, he's shady there he, he's, he's shady. so
7: shady
1: yeah oh he, my god yeah
6: he's shady too and that's why him and beast get along and that's why beast can oh. do whatever he wants because he's like well xavier has my back xavier is gonna approve it oh. and if xavier wants it then magneto's gonna want it and then i get to do what i want Oof. so but especially even if xavier does turn on him i didn't even think of the aspect of him having like fail safes like oh yeah right. like, and that even I mean, makes it scarier like, right.
7: mm-hmm. no if like, anybody's gonna have fail-safes it'd be beast mm-hmm.
6: but uh i would also note that
9: like xavier was in the illuminati right so i'm currently reading like hickman's mm-hmm. run on adventures as well and mm-hmm. xavier was on the illuminati until he died in Avengers x-men and who replaced mm-hmm. him beast right mm-hmm. and all of those men are shady and schemy and and kind of icky so it's like they're mm-hmm. cut from the same cloth of like i'm smarter than you i'm know better do what i say and there's often an or else it's like applied at least magneto like waves a sword at you but like it's always like a right these two. yeah
6: i feel yeah. like even right when in in hickman's x-men with beast i feel like that's where he started going like more downhill because before that he didn't even want to be a part of illuminati he was like i don't belong here you know this isn't what i i don't want to do this you know he was trying to be more on the straight, narrow, more aspect of it, because he knew he had mm-hmm. the darkness in him. That's been addressed before, obviously. I mean, even in the Age of Apocalypse, we saw he goes dark in mm-hmm. certain scenarios. But especially that's a good point bringing up the Luminati. I feel like that kind of sets something in motion. And I feel like that's the kind of beast Hickman is like, you know, that's what Beast is gonna become. You know, this is that's mm-hmm. that's Beast MO. He's gonna try to be good, he tries to do the right thing but it's in his own self-interest and that's why we have this little information sheet where he says, well, you can just call me a god. Like, you why can't right. they why can't they call me a god because I'm smart and I can, you know, give them everything they want. I should be mm-hmm. revered as a god.
7: Yeah, yeah. It was the way he said it that just made it so creepy, and like you could see that it was gonna go dark. He's like, you know, we're offering all of these, you know, if God were to come down from heaven and say, "I could give you, you know, care and food, and you know, watch over you and protect you," that you would fall to your knees and thank him. But when I do it, people question it. I'm like, ooh, ooh, no, honey, oh no, no, no. That's, (laughs) that's a megalomania right there.
9: Yeah, and that, super insecure too, which is like wow. that's the note, the thing I noted. Like I'm looking at it right now, and it's like, uh, you know, swap out, a, uh, swap out the celestial figure with a certain blue furred mutant. Then suddenly everyone is opposed. Well, yeah, yeah, because yeah, you're not a god. But also, what's going on? Like why? Like he's got some weird insecurities just about like mm. being himself. And I feel like that's part of it, right? Like he's, I don't know, his psyche al- he needs. He's always
6: had it. that though. I think that's right. that's part of. his uh, like his uh his dna (laughs) to not be you know not to be ironic term or punny or whatever that's always been his thing he's like i don't want to be this i want to be human i don't want to look like a cat i don't want to you know all his transformations it's all yeah it always messes with him. i feel like the only time he was like kind of happy um without wanting to change himself uh, ironically enough is when he was With Abigail Brand because mm-hmm. She liked him being like blue And everything because she you know is part alien And mutant and she's dealt with all that So she saw you know nothing Strange being with him Because you know he's not he's actually better Looking than a lot of the people she's met So <laughs> <laughs>
7: Well I mean like the the more I go back and, and look at Beast's backstories and everything I realized and more he's a raging Narcissist oh yeah he Needs to be praised, and when he's not praised, it really rubs him the wrong way. So I don't even think it's just insecurity. It's it's the fact that he has to be praised as being the best or the smartest or, you know, the only person in the room actually knows what's going on kind of thing. And when he's not, it makes him go darker and darker, just like any other narcissist. If you don't pay a narcissist enough attention and give them enough praise, they become very dark, toxic, destructive people. And that's really the route
6: he's headed oh yeah going on a, 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 a talking about destruction and narcissistic um i want to we talked a little bit about this in the green room before we started recording but uh by the way we didn't get to talk about it with you and i want to know your opinion on it the in the beginning of this comic you know we get a little mm-hmm. bit more an extension extended version of the marauders interaction between iron man and quentin choir what did you think about that whole interaction
9: (laughs) yeah i mean i'm definitely one of those people who's like tony stark is a dickhead and like and so is quentin so seeing them i mean they noted i think sage or domino noted that they're they're cut from the same claw. but it was just weird to be like i don't know like tony comes in hot for no reason and i hate people like that like i cannot Uh stand people where it's just like oh you just got here and you are you already have have an attitude and like an air about you. It's like, yo, just have fun. It's a gala. Dress up have fun. It's Peach exactly. to Tony, though.
7: But it, it rubs me so much the wrong way because A, he's like, I'm not walking through your gate. B, I'm not going to be, you know, wearing your flower, you know, to get in. See, I'm not going to let you even do a, a, a base level scan to make sure I am Tony Stark because for all we know, it could be a shapeshifter who's got a little bit of tech on posing as Tony Stark. And, you know, that could be a disaster of its own self. But yeah, the fact that he is such a a dick just straight off the bat. Like, Quentin, Quentin's a dick. We get it. But he's also trying to do his job as security right. at the front gates. And, and Tony is not allowing him to do that, which ugh, so much bad with that right there.
9: And they know how unsafe, like, gathering this many mutants together is. Like, that's one of the kooky things mm-hmm. about the Avengers is that it's, like, it's not that they don't know that, like, Genosha happened, right? So, like, we're having mm-hmm. this event, and they're, like, scanning people so that, you know, there's no terrorism because there are people that want to do that. And you're like, no, mm-hmm. I'm Tony Stark. I'm too good for that. It's like, you're too good <laughs> for other people's safety and comfort. Like, that's your personality.
7: He's the reason there was civil war. Yep. You know, yeah. yeah. He he doesn't give a fuck about anybody. Oh, pardon the swearing, but he doesn't give a fuck about anybody else's safety or comfort or well being. He cares that everybody does what he tells them to. It's he's such a sociopath. He and, has you know, one any set. With Illuminati with him. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Ooh, that should tell you so many things. Like right there. <laughs> like, mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh God. He was fucking awful.
8: He's a very but, oh, textbook narcissist.
7: Yeah. He, he super, super duper is. But can we talk about some of the outfits? Like what the hell Charles is wearing looking like something fresh out of a Yeezy Katy Perry freaking music video. <laughs> like what <laughs> I, the
6: shit was that? <laughs> it's completely ridiculous. And I kind of love it. Agreed, in a, in agreed. An, in a, right, in an ironic way, because Xavier <laughs> You, we never really see him extravagant, and
7: yeah, but this, oh, just screams narcissism. Like I mean, so it, it, badly
6: it screams him, oh, <laughs> so, and he's like the the granddaddy of the of the whole <laughs> nation so he's wearing gold and being like I am like the one of the kings of the castle you know and don't want that to be the case but it is the case as of right now in retrospect uh, even though he doesn't want people to think that but like (laughs) with this outfit how can you not
7: (laughs) right even Emma is shooting him daggers, like motherfucker.
9: It's so tacky in in the right way, and I'm sure he doesn't think it's that tacky. Like I'm sure he thinks he's flexing on everyone, but it's like, of course you think that because you're also a narcissist. Um, right? But this is just like gaudy in all of the in all of the right ways. <laughs> this is true. This is so true. Oh, definitely.
6: <laughs> I want to say, speaking of outfits, one of my favorite things in general with events like this where all the characters get together is moments where we get like, not really in speech bubbles, it's them just seeing all of them in their different mm-hmm. outfits. And we mm-hmm. see this when Domino is like, you're not missing anything, Sage, even though she's lying to her because she's missing everything. Um, right. <laughs> but like this whole page of like, it's, for the viewers, I'm looking at like page nine of the issue, <laughs> if you could follow along. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, in this page, you get like, Doctor Strange pouring Doom Coffee out of like a mm-hmm. magic circle. You get Shuri and Wiz Kid dancing together. I'm just like, oh, I, I love it so much.
7: <laughs> I know it is so great to see so many amazing outfits like all over this. I'm just like, oh my God, I, I love it, I love it, I love it. I want to see more. I can't wait. Like I am reading this with just bated breath and Storm come up those stairs, mm-hmm. looking like, oh. Just, oh, yes, I love it all. I love it freaking all. Oh, so I, good, so good, so
6: good. I want to ask Evelyn, I want to ask everyone this, but start with Evelyn. Who would you, in this little, like, set, at this time right now, the page that we're mm-hmm. looking at, like this, like this, I don't know what hour it was, it didn't say.
7: Um, <laughs> well, this is near the uh, seven o'clock, eight o'clock mark. Yeah,
6: yeah there we go. <laughs> um, who would you want to, if you had to walk into the room right now, what group would you want to talk to? Like, who would you want to go to, like, and be like, hey, how are you doing?
8: Hold on. I need to. I'm trying to get there. I accidentally clicked out. (laughs) 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 Oh, my God. I clicked out. How did I even click out? (laughs) (laughs) I I ended up on the. Deadpool
6: page. Hold on. Talk about Deadpool next.
7: (laughs) (laughs) That's for sure. Oh my goodness. Oh
8: my god. This stupid fucking
7: phone. Mm. Hello, Steve Rogers.
8: Oh, that part was hilarious. (laughs) Same, Emma. Same. Okay, I'm there. Um. Okay. I had to get a quick refresher of everything in the room. Um I mean, yes, Storm looks gorgeous and the whole like thing from like Steve and Doom that we know happened in Marauders is like probably the aftermath right there. But I mean, like just seeing like I don't know, it's kind of in between Kid and Shuri dancing. I think that's Shuri. <laughs>
5: Yeah, it's oh Pinchuri? yeah, okay, yeah.
8: yeah so with dancing, which just seems bomb, or um, Doctor Strange pouring beer for Doctor Doom, like, <laughs> I would be like, have a mug, like, hi,
6: because <laughs> <laughs> you know that beer is like something special, like, right. that's some good beer,
8: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Doctor Strange ain't wasting his magic on piss, right? right?
6: No, no, Core light <laughs> over here. <laughs> uh, what about you, Broadway? So
9: I um, I agree with both of those. Um, and I would also add Cyclops, Sync, and I can't tell who this other person is. Their back is turned. But I would just like to see Cyclops and Sync interact because they don't strike me as very similar people, but they're going to mm-hmm. be on the same team. And I would be like fanboying the whole time because Heroes of Krakella but also, I would be like, wow, like, Sink, you're so dreamy, and, like, your, like, <laughs> jacket is so pretty, and, like, Cyclops, you're also dreamy, and your visor is very intimidating. Like, I, I would just be, like, a little, like, a little girl, like, trolling my hair, and I would like to just know what they talk about. <laughs>
6: <laughs> I love that. That I didn't even think about them being there, but that would be really fun. <laughs> what about you, Rachel? Yeah.
7: Oh, girl. You gotta ask me where I'd be. You know I'd be up with Mystique and Rachel being oh like, God. thank you, Jesus. I'm here with my little goth girls. I'm gonna be over here just, you know, finding out the tea, seeing if I can join the team. What do I need to do to become a, like, super spy and shit? <laughs> like, I would, t- I would totally be... With Rachel and, and Mystique just hanging on the edges and talking shit.
9: And petting Amazing Baby.
6: Aw, Amazing Baby.
7: Right?
6: She's like pulling him along. Come here. Right. Oh, yeah.
7: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I would absolutely have fun with them and just hanging around on the outside and seeing everything that's going on, slowly spilling tea and talking trash.
6: I love it. I love it. I I was going to say at first, Shuri and Wizkid um because i just want to know what their conversation would be like because they're both super and like intelligent people and create so many Mm -hmm. different things i mean i know they're dancing right now and not talking science so that probably Mm -hmm. wouldn't even be that much but still it'd be really cool but since i'm gonna pick something different and i'm going to say something really basic and (laughs) i would want to because i already see another character i don't know who that is Mm -hmm. but um Feeling on Thor's arm. Um, mm-hmm. uh, oh, yeah. also go over there and feel <laughs> Thor's arm. <laughs> I'd be like, well, I'm next after whoever this person is is feeling on him. Because Thor wouldn't mind. Thor does not care. He wants you to, he wants you to admire him. He wants everybody <laughs> to touch his body. So
7: <laughs> I am sure you'd be asking him if you'd like to see a thunderclap. <laughs>
6: I I am sure Odin's son <laughs> is very generous in bed. Honestly, he, <laughs> he has he has all kinds of people coming back for seconds. So I'm, right, making it, it rain. Right, I'm sure he's very good. I mean, he has thousands of years of practice, so you can't be bad right. at it. You have so much practice. <laughs>
4: when would like, he could definitely
6: send me to Valhalla. Like
9: I'm okay. With
7: that. <laughs> you are worthy. <laughs> <laughs>
9: and I love that he has like there's like the lady touching his arm but there's also these three other women who are all there and it's like I just love that that's like Thor's vibe
7: yeah I, I think even multiple man's like oh god right. <laughs> yeah <laughs> I'm at least yeah. allowed to look
6: <laughs> speaking of I mean I guess speaking of someone that needs to go to Valhalla and needs <laughs> to go away for a while um, Deadpool
7: <laughs> <laughs> oh my god I love to- him <laughs>
6: I love it too. I, I knew he was going to pop up in X Force at some point because we saw that cover. Yeah. And he is just the whole fight between him and Wolverine. Oh my God. And then saying who's the little spoon and big spoon.
7: Oh my God. That was so, Ugh. like, that was so perfect. Like, of all the people to pop up uninvited and very much uninvited for a freaking reason. But. Oh, my God. I, I, I died laughing because he really did do some serious thinking on how he was going to get in.
6: Yes. Yeah. yeah. And I like how he they play with the continuity. He's like, well, I'm a mutant. He's like, no, you're not. Well, I'm an honorary mutant.
8: <laughs> <laughs> I did appreciate that a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, I,
6: I love it when they make fun of the retcons because it's like mm-hmm. he is technically a mutant until they didn't make right. him a, like not a mutant anymore. And I liked when Deadpool was a mutant, so I yeah. I think it makes sense for him to be a mutant. I wouldn't invite him on Krakoa because because no. <laughs> um, he could not not cause destruction. Um, but <laughs> but mm-hmm. he is he should in my eyes just like with Wanda, they're both still mutants. So. Yes,
5: I mean, in my mind,
8: Franklin <laughs> very, is also still a mutant, and Charles Xavier can go fuck
7: himself. Mad. But that's oh, yeah. a right. A talk. Right? Oh my god, <laughs> Charles is such a dick for that uh, one. It's like, yeah,
5: oh, dude, no, dude, 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 was- he's a
7: kid. Like, what the fuck is wrong with you, old man?
6: Un, uncalled oh. for. And Seriously. speaking of I just want to take a moment I like to do this obviously with any issue we talk about um, the art in this issue because the way mm-hmm. hold on let me see the way Joshua and Guru do the, mm-hmm. the faces of Emma and Sage and Domino just mm-hmm. they show every emotion that they're doing like excitement depression you know just like annoyance and then they make Emma just like with Beast when they black out his eyes and they blacked out her eyes and like made mm-hmm. her look more sinister. That was this uh, chef's kiss. I just truly loved that. It was amazing.
8: They really like- did them all just really well so done. good.
7: Yeah. I- and I would
9: say that Josh is, uh, Joshua was okay, this is a very weird thing to notice, but he has a really good mastery of beast's eyebrows because like Beast is always wearing these glasses to be sort of menacing and mysterious right it's very villainous of him but you can really see the way in which Beast just like the little micro expressions right like I'm looking at I don't know what page this is um it's the one where they like discover the like right after they realize that there's like terra verde uh diplomats and he's like standing there and it's like cutting back and forth but in the middle there's a little panel it's the one where he like shades uh uh, it's the field agent comment, but it's there's just this, like levity in his eyes and this like sort of pettiness, right? And then it changes immediately after to him sort of focused and furrowing his brows and being like, I know exactly what I'm doing. Like, it's very confident, very pompous, but it's like that sort of thing that like, it blows my mind that somebody can like really do that. We were playing a, a drawing game earlier and I can't draw. And so like when I, you know, <laughs> we- when we showed each other our drawings, it's like, oh, look, none of us are talented at this. And then like you see somebody like Joshua Casera, and you're like, I don't, like your brain works in a way that like I cannot even conceive of because he, he's just a talent.
7: Mm-hmm. Oh, like, yeah, mm. oh, the, the art was so good. And like, I'm just looking at the sheer amount of like cross hatching and like line work. The, I mean, the color is absolutely gorgeous. The shading's absolutely gorgeous. But, like, the amount of line work that is in so much of this is just, oh, my goodness gracious, that must have taken forever to do. But it's so good because there is so much more depth and and just, oh, God, I can't even say enough about it. There's so much more depth and, and oomph to it when you've got so much line work in there it shows you the shadow it gives you just it almost feels real and it's Mm. so so gorgeous and that is so hard to do because too much and it just looks really blocky and overdone not enough and you lose a lot of depth but here it is so masterfully done it just oh i'm blown away i love it
6: yeah definitely and then mixed with percy percy benjamin percy's uh, writing with the whole Emma and Sage scene, I just, Mm -hmm. I didn't know that I wanted Benjamin Percy to write Emma. And now I'm like, can Emma, she doesn't belong on X-Force at all, but I just need Benjamin Percy to write Emma some more because this was Mm. so fantastic. I loved the way she interacted with Sage and that she like shaded Beast, but then like without even really saying anything and just, it's just so Emma. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's quintessential Emma. Like if I wanted to explain Emma Frost to someone this would probably be some of the pages that I would show them because mm-hmm. it's like, this is, this is her. She, she's reading the room. She's planning. She's super intelligent. She knows what's happening and she doesn't even have to use her telepathy to even figure it out. This right. is her own intellect.
5: Mm-hmm. I love it.
9: Yeah, love it. She kept calling, uh, Sage darling, and it's those little things that just give Emma that air. Like I just, I just love it. Like what's happening here, darling? Like I I, I, I can't even like say it the way like she said. I can like hear her say it in my mind. It's just perfect. Exactly.
7: Yeah. It's like the most dangerous lesbian tango ever, and I'm yeah. here for it. Like oh my god, you are playing a dangerous game, Sage, and I am so gonna watch. <laughs> like oh so good but now, yeah she, oh, calm cool calculating i love it
6: oh definitely i i want to say at the end of this issue we know that beast plan backfires as it usually does um mm-hmm. what plan doesn't of his he's super smart but never finishes a plan that doesn't get you know fucked up um mm-hmm. so this plan gets fucked up and he get you know the plant zombie people are hacked and are like exploding you know with plants stuff all over their body mm-hmm. who do y'all think is hacking them like like obviously it could be the world's your oyster because like so many people want to take down krokoa just for existing but mm-hmm. who do y'all think is taking over like beast plant who do you think knows it and is taking over it
7: well, do you want my guess?
6: Yeah, go Raven. <laughs>
7: Horticulture. Oh. Mm. If anybody was going to be able to develop the technology to, you know, mutate or have a covert plant. <laughs> pun, pun intended here <laughs> but have a covert plant that you know activated when you know certain chemical components touched other certain chemical components you know such as water to the face or whatever i would think it would be horticulture and um we've seen them in uh, what was it curse of man thing yes so we know that they're alive and well we know that they are still trying to you know slowly wean out the bad seeds of the world as it were and what better place to Do that than a gathering of the nations, like leaders, ambassadors, you know, people who are deep into politics and whatnot. And you know, who's going to get blamed for it? Freaking krakow is going to get blamed for it. The mutants will get blamed for it, you know. But who's not going to get blamed for it? Horticulture. So, yeah, I mean, just ooh, mm, yeah. My guess is that they have a hand in this.
6: Yeah, I mean, I would definitely agree. I would say they even have a vendetta against Beast because he did capture Mm -hmm. their technology and kind of use them and they could have found that out and be Mm -hmm. like well let's go get that you know blue hair crazy um, animal (laughs) 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 and show him what's what you know does anybody else have like a different answer because I don't I like I horticulture just sounds like a perfect answer honestly but there could there definitely could be more perfect answers
8: honestly that that was going to be my answer too
6: (laughs) It just fits yeah. so well. <laughs> I
9: saw some of the covers, so I know a character that is involved. No spoilers, but I, it doesn't seem like they're like the the big bad. I feel like horticulture is like the central the central like force behind this. Mm-hmm. Um, it just seems like prime for them because how could they have not been sort of aware of what of like the telefloronic telefloronic's and whatnot? If they were aware mm-hmm. of like Krakoa and and all of its plants and stuff, they had to have been aware of this other like plant technology thing so this like strikes me as the perfect thing for them to exploit and then they have a giant lab to work with like the entire country of terra
7: verde yeah exactly
6: exactly and it would be like such a good chance for them to take down the mutants already because they already have a vendetta (laughs) against them or to take down the world because that's basically their goal is to reset Mm -hmm. the world by like kind of terraforming it or something Mm -hmm. like that like it's kind of unclear but then it's clear what they want to do and it would Mm -hmm. also be like a good way for know to bring them back Mm because what are they doing we saw them in man thing but if you didn't read man thing then you really haven't seen them in a while yeah right (laughs)
9: yeah not since empire
6: Mm -hmm. this gets continued in wolverine 13 so i guess we'll Mm -hmm. see you know i guess maybe more wolverine's aspect of it and see let's see if he does something to beast because i'm kind of tired of people just being like oh beast okay cool whatever the only person who did Mm -hmm. something kinda was gene Right, mm-hmm. like that's it, and then she left.
7: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I mean,
9: I yeah, back. But you know, she's got to do X Men stuff. Like I want her in charge of X Force,
6: but like, obviously
9: she's like going to be a hero. Mm. Yeah. she doesn't
6: X-Men, have this. Yeah. She doesn't have the stomach for X Force. At least not right. for Beast X Force. Like, yeah. I think she would be great at it without Beast in it.
8: She's mm. definitely, she's more of a, like, upfront, beat your ass kind of person rather than, like, manipulate in the shadows type of person. True. I think mean, like, it's just not her personality to go along with whatever bullshit Beast is trying to do.
6: hmm Exactly.
7: Yeah, her whole problem, though, is she's so upfront with so much shit, she ends up tipping her hand early for absolutely everything. Yeah. I'm like, you've got to learn just a modicum of of guile. Like, hold some of that information back. Don't be upfront about everything. Let them get that rope really wrapped around their feet before you yank it, you know? Mm Mm-hmm.
6: You know, you know who I think would be good in X Force who hasn't? I mean, they kind of been in X Force, but not really. Not like as a main team member. They kind of just been in the, in the books um, mm. off and on would be Rachel. I mean, mm. I know, she, like, I mean, X Factor is kind of ending. I mean, it is ending, but that mm. team is still a thing. <laughs> Unfortunately, I'm so sad about it. Um, right? But like, that team is still going to be a thing. So I don't want to like take her away mm. from that. Um, mm-hmm. But this would be such a. Like she's already like a detective in X Force, but like I mean an X Factor, but in X Force she could take that to a new uh newer level. And I mean, honestly, X Force needs a psychic. <laughs> like just they just need one. It's the I mean, it's the mutant CIA. So are, are
5: you
8: forgetting kind of, Quentin?
6: Oh, I mean, I am. I am but he's
8: he, doesn't, I mean, he
6: doesn't use it that much. Quentin, like he kind of does. Not but...
7: Quentin, so. Right. I'm like he... Quentin is not reliable as no. a psychic because yeah, yeah. half the time he's dead. Yeah. So I need somebody who can live for more than two issues at a time.
6: Yeah. Rachel can fight without using her powers. Quentin can't. So, mm. I yeah. mean, and I do love Quentin as a character. Like, <laughs> right. But I don't think he belongs on X Force.
8: <laughs> yeah. Self. I never thought I'd defend this asshole,
6: but here I am. Oh no! I mean, I I love I love him, and I I'm not saying he shouldn't be. You know, I think he needs to be on a different team because I think X Force is just isn't his. He could X Force is too
7: dangerous for him.
6: Yeah, and and I feel like he could probably develop his powers better and another team what team no i don't know maybe
7: (laughs) maybe new mutants because they mostly stay on the island
6: new mutants or maybe even if they do bring back x factor another form of it he could go there because they're all about emotional growth Mm -hmm. and he's on that path and he would definitely benefit from those characters interacting with him Mm
8: -hmm. or it would drive him back to being like the type of person he used to be potentially i can see it going backwards for him
6: true because if he doesn't if he doesn't get called out enough then, like, bluntly, then he might regress.
8: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, like, that's that's almost why I think he does fit so well on X-Force, because he is almost, like, forced to be a better person, and like, forced to, like, put his money where his mouth is, you know? X-Forced?
7: <laughs> Sorry. X-forced. Exactly. Hey, I,
6: I, I, oh. It's right there. It's right there. I do, like, I, I do see that, and I would agree with that, because he has gotten better as a person, just because of mm-hmm. being a on this team yeah he just needs to get he needs to train
8: he does he no train. i fully agree with
6: that <laughs> <laughs> he needs to go to i don't maybe kawana i guess because she was on x-force for oh i mean it was betsy but she probably has the memory oh kwanan like, yeah she probably has the memory of being on x-force from betsy or something like that like mm-hmm. someone that's psychic needs to train with him maybe rachel i was just
8: about to say I, rachel that would yeah. solve our problem there we go she, yeah. yeah and, and she,
7: she has, has the, has the, the patience, patience for it, it. Probably be the hardest thing to do is find uh, somebody who has his kind of power set who could be patient with
6: him. Yeah, because Kawana would probably just kill him.
7: Yeah. She's like, you know what? I'm just going to stab him a little bit.
6: He would make an off comment about stealing bodies and then she would just kill him. She would just be like, I'm done. I just bring him back, put him in the queue. I'm done. <laughs> All right, y'all. So we got a we got off topic, but oh, not really, but like a little bit. Uh, but that yeah. was. <laughs> does anyone have any final thoughts about this issue twenty of X Force? <sighs>
7: I think this is going to be very interesting to see who hacked Sage's fungal network and how this is going to go. Mm -hmm. I can't wait.
8: Very curious to see how the other ambassadors and like the other special guests, such as the Avengers and Fantastic Four, are going to react to all this shit, because honestly, I feel like they do need some repercussions right now.
6: (laughs) Yeah, definitely i i i hate it because that's like i don't want other the other mutants to be affected by you know beast's bullshit and then mm-hmm. they're just gonna lump all the mutants together and be like, oh look what these mutants did mm-hmm. especially tony stark and and even reed richards but, oh my god <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah i but they do need repercussions it, at least <laughs> from the Kurkoa council or something like yeah. something needs to happen mm-hmm. um especially on Beast's part i like um like repercussions for him I don't know if we still have Broadway. (laughs) Hello? hey Broadway oh there he <laughs> as our as our speaking of special guest as our special guest do you have any <laughs> final thoughts for X-Force issue 20
9: yeah I feel like I want to see so Emma you know mentions like right near the end when Sage is like that's impossible and she's like if you're trying to negotiate like Beast is going to be the one in trouble with the council like don't worry about that right so yeah. I want to see more of that I want to see like Emma being like hey Beast you need to come before the council hey Charles you get up and stand in the middle too and we have questions for you um like i want to see the like congressional oversight hearing for like Beast and Charles Xavier because like, mm-hmm. this is insane and now that like somebody with authority is aware that this is insane like someone needs to act on it because again like you can't just be decimating populations of people and and dude just doing this with like no regard and having like Quentin's bodies everywhere like what is going on like Beast is objectively the, the highest security threat to Krakoa besides Orcus
6: Honestly, mm-hmm. yeah Krakoa is getting a lot of like enemies to it because of X forces is mistakes. Yeah. So.